0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Ball. and that ball is going to be headed to Camp Noah. A 62-yard touchdown pass is the way that Drew Brees, hitting light, goes into the record book. The White Gloves are on the Hall of Fame president, David Baker.
2: And that was uh, Drew Brees breaking the all-time passing yards record 71,968 passing yards surpassing um, Peyton Manning, Brett Barr. Welcome to Grand Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio. Tune in an Apple podcast your host, Oscar Lopez. We'll be joined today with uh, Troy Wilson in a couple minutes here. Kenzie Brooks in the house as well. We're going to be talking college football. We're also going to be talking NFL week five, preview week six, uh, women's uh, recap and notes from Australia, Brazil, Costa Rica, and well, as well as Europe, where the, um, the uh, growth of the game uh, camp took place with over 250 players from 15 different countries, sort of like the world games uh, that we experience here in America. And we're going to be talking to the legendary quarterback of the WFA national champion, uh, Boston Renegades, which is Allison Cahill in the no-joke football huddle. And so what an exciting week of just sports in general, NFL, college football. Uh, Last week, we had just a shakeup in the top 10 in college football. We're going to be talking to Troy and McKenzie on that uh, aspect of it. Then we're going to dive into... You know, uh, the WFA championship here that happened this past uh, summer uh, with Allison Cahill. And Allison, a longtime legendary quarterback along the lines of Karen Mulligan, Lisa Horton, Alice, uh, Allie Hamlin, Sammy Grassofi, and a bunch of other legendary quarterbacks in the United States uh, women's football scene. And so uh, it's going to be a great opportunity to talk to her about what happened this season, where she's at, is she's hanging them up? Is she going into the coaching realm? as well as uh, other things that are happening now outside of uh, football, especially with um, Callie Brownson out in Dartmouth. And you got Jenny, uh, Jen Wilker out there doing her her gridiron camps. You also have um, Colette Smith out there. You have a lot of players just branching out to coaching uh, in the NFL. We talked to Jennifer King last week about her endeavor and internship going over there. And, of course, uh, Katie Sowers in San Francisco still. So great moments happening for the women's game in terms of what's happening in terms of individuals that are getting their opportunities to be on NFL squads or be participating in some sort of college realm. Um, that's where everybody wanted to be at. Uh, the, the next wave generation of women in the uh, United States scene in the uh, sport of women's tackle football is going to be huge because a lot of them are starting to retire. A lot of them are walking away from the sport or they're contributing in some format as coaches to local teams to their existing team or they're branching into uh, high school, uh, high school level coaching, which is a stepping stone to college as well. And going towards obviously getting on a pro, a pro team, whether it be here or in Canada or overseas in Europe, which is a lot of opportunities also in Europe that we are not aware of. Uh, even Mexico has two pro leagues as well. So there's opportunities to go overseas, and get in a position there as well. So um, it's great to, to see that happening. So we're going to talk about all that coming up here in a couple minutes as we uh, branch into uh, the NoJo Football Huddle, and we'll get with Elton Cato as well. Uh, I want to just uh, kind of invite everybody to go to our Zazzle shop. We got two uh, shirts going on right now for October. Uh, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, you can check out our stuff at Twitter on Twitter as well as on our uh, Facebook.com forward slash brand page. We have a, um, a bra, sports bra, clear, clean sports bra with a breast cancer logo awareness uh, logo on there. We also have a gray shirt, which a breast cancer awareness shirt. Uh, all sales that go through the shop get accumulated uh, into a pool of money, which uh, Zazzle uh, helps us out. Once that pool of money is accumulated into about 25 to $40 dollars, then we have a wish list of players that are uh, supporting our brand because of the awareness of the sport. And then we get, end up issuing uh, shirts, leggings, hoodies, etc., to those players for contributing and um, making an impact of awareness uh, for women's American football. So you can go to the shop right now. You can save up to 15% off this week. Normally it's up to 30% off. But if you get Zazzle Black, for example, it's $10. In states, it's free shipping. So if you like our stuff, or if you like Zazzle stuff in general, if you have Zazzle Black for about $10 for the year, you actually get free shipping, so it's a big bargain. It helps us out as well, and so uh, I greatly appreciate it. That's what keeps our podcast alive, um, be our sponsor, Zazzle.com, and also keeps uh, the awareness going on social media as well. So uh, let's, uh, I'm gonna going to be flying solo here in a couple minutes until Allison gets here, and like I said, we'll dive in afterwards to all the stuff that's happening in the NFL. My Rams, uh, what a scare in Seattle. Um, just thought for sure, hopefully uh, Tyro wasn't going to miss again. And so uh, we get out of Seattle in a sort of a of an edge win there because it's 33-31. Uh, Russell Wilson and company played well. Division game for us. It was really comforting for me to kind of at the end kind of get a release. We're 5-0. and um, Jared Goff's playing well, um, so is the Cass Cruz. We got some injuries happening with Cup and Cooks. But other than that, it was not not a bad weekend for me. You got hockey starting out for me, uh, L.A. Kings hockey coming up. It's hockey season, football season, kind of marries with me. Pretty exciting times there. And my Los Angeles Dodgers are in the uh, National League Finals once again, one step closer to uh, a World Series appearance. Uh, kind of disappointing uh, end result last year. So uh, other than that, uh, it's, it's pretty it's been a pretty good weekend of football. So we'll d- dive into that and talk about that in a second here as soon as we get Troy and McKenzie inside the house here. In the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and – before we get Allison in here, we've got go a couple minutes here. Let's uh, let's talk overseas. The Gridiron Queensland season has gone as planned. Um, the Bayside Ravens pretty much have done a really good job of staying up, up, up front here. So through week eight, October 6th, uh, D.C. Stingrays 46-0 to over Morton Bay Raptors. Martin's, uh inaugural season here uh, have not played at well at all, but it's, it's to be expected. Then we have Griffith Thunder twenty uh, losing to Bayside 42-22. This was a rematch of week four which was uh, Thunder losing 36-12. to 12. And that was Thunder has come up up and about, and they're like the third team in this uh, league that obviously is competitive. And so uh, Lauren Evans, our no-joke football um, athlete out there, you have Christy Moran at Bayside Ravens as well. So uh, all these three teams going into a playoff mode here. As Week 9 approaches this coming weekend, Moriton Raptors will take on Bayside Ravens. It has been a horrible state for them to go up against top competition. I don't see them winning at this point. Uh, The last time uh, Moreton faced uh, basically Bayside, I believe it was a 42, uh, 42, let me see here, 30, it was a big big gap. It was 56, I'm sorry, 56 to zero. That was back in week five. So um, the Raptors got a lot of work to do, and it's season one, so I'm pretty sure they will learn and learn well, and eventually next year, we'll be able to pick up where they let, where they obviously need to improve on. And then we go into week nine. So there's only three weeks left in the season in Queensland. Uh, week nine, week week eleven, and then week twelve. There's a bye week between that. So um, it's going to be next weekend, this coming weekend. Griffith Thunder will clash with a GC Stingrays. This is a rematch, once again of a twelve to twelve tie. That happened back in week five. That was the initial tie. So those these teams pretty much know each other very well. Then uh, in week two, the Thunder did win 34-6 to 6 over the Stingrays. So at this point, the Stingrays cannot afford to lose. The Thunder really looking to stand out in Grand Queensland. So we're going to be looking for that and see how that pans out there. But three weeks left in the season. And we should have uh, some sort of hot competition playoffs in Queensland. The only lone game in Great Iron, New South Wales, that happened this weekend was uh, ACT Diamonds. They took care of business, and uh, they took care of the North Sydney Rebels 24 to eight. Uh, N- uh, Northwestern Phoenix versus UTC Gators. The, the game was canceled due to weather. We have a couple of weeks left in the nor- uh, Great Iron, New South Wales, and coming up this weekend, week six. Pending any weather cancellations, we are looking at Phoenix against Sydney Rebels. Rebels love to just rebound and get a big win against a top team like Phoenix. And then it's going to be Act Diamonds taking on the Sydney Lions. Lions have been impressive team in, but with veteran squads. So uh, they are good. They come off a 30-6 to win over uh, UTS Gators in week four. So off a of bye week, they should be hungry to win here. So uh, let's go into the huddle. Uh, sponsored by Zazzle.com. And we'll go back to the women's recap and notes. We're going to be heading over to Costa Rica afterwards. We'll be heading into Europe as we have Austria and uh, out there in uh, Czechoslovakia as well as we have c- competition going on there. So let's go into the huddle and uh, let's talk to the legendary quarterback, which is Allison Cahill of the uh, Boston Renegades. Uh, Allison, you on? Hey, how are you? I'm doing great, Allison. How are you doing? Long time to not – it's been a while since we chatted.
3: (laughs) Yes, definitely. It's good to be back.
2: So, Allison, um, I wanted to bring you on uh, after the championship, but everybody's so busy and doing everything else. But uh, congratulations on you guys' amazing season. Uh, A a big, big season for the WFA as a whole. Uh, But for the Renegades in general, it was a huge season.
3: Yeah, it was great. It was uh you know, we've had we've had more successful seasons on paper in terms of kinda of rolling into the championship undefeated and you know, big margins of victory and that definitely wasn't the case this year going into the playoffs. You know, with two losses under our belts and uh, you know, the three seed and having to go on the road. So it kinda of made it extra special having to sort of play the underdog role and get a chance to avenge a couple of our regular season losses and ultimately come away with, you know, the goal at the start of the year, which was to win the championship. So, kind of cool how it played out, for sure.
2: Allison, uh, a lot of uh, new faces, you know, the, the uh, changing of the guard as you guys changed the name has also kind of shifted out with personnel. Uh, you didn't have Zeli, but you had Bonte, Bonds. Uh, you didn't have uh, Smith so much, but you had um and then you also had you know a bunch of other role players stepped up so uh, besides yourself at the helm there was a lot of transition in the offseason for the renegades uh, during this uh 2018
3: yeah you're exactly right i mean there's some you know titans of the game that you listed that we didn't have this year uh you know whitney zealy adrian smith um and Stacy TM Fook as well. And uh, we also had some big shoes to fill on the offensive line with missing Amanda Alpert for a lot of the year. She had a baby, and um, Aaron Truex was also out the whole year, uh, same reason. And, uh, you know, as I'm sure you know, the offensive line is, is the real sort of unsung heroes of everything we do. So credit to them for doing their job and allowing us as the skill players Uh, to just do our jobs behind them. And you're absolutely right about um, people stepping up. And you mentioned Shantae Bonds. I mean, she's out of this world in terms of talent and versatility and, you know, what she brings to a team from a leadership standpoint. But, uh, you know, she does have a lot of experience under her belt, so she's kind of able to seamlessly move from position to position. But we had a lot of uh, much less experienced players fill those huge shoes we already mentioned Um, with Lauren Young and the Pasquale sisters, Stephanie and Angelica. And we had a rookie start in Adrian's spot uh, by the name of Sarah Tully. And, of course, Emily Beinecke, and she's been doing her thing for for a few years now. So, um, yeah, you're you're totally right, and and it was kind of fun to to watch those guys grow up as the season progressed, and they were absolutely massive for us. So, um, some big shoes to fill, but you know we're in the process of filling them. So it's it's pretty cool to see.
2: Allison, the the, the East Coast is the dogfight of the WFA. I mean when you look at it in a whole, as a whole it's always a dogfight and it's really battle testing for during the week and then you get uh, and then you get to a game day and every week's a battle you get dc you get pittsburgh you get new york you know there's just the schedule is i would consider a, a real brutal test so when you get to uh the playoffs you know and you get to that stage of the playoffs like you said you lost two in the season but you got to the playoffs you're literally battle tested at, at that point you understand it's you know one one loss and you're out it's it's literally that's what it boils down to on the east coast and it's not as much on the west and knock the west but it just seems like the east coast teams have always been very durable in terms of when they get to once they get to the big stage and the next level obviously one step closer to the national championship
3: yeah um you know i wouldn't have it any other way uh, battle test is definitely the, the the best term for it in you know, there's a lot of layers to that in terms of why the East Coast has um, had a little bit more of a consolidation of, of talent, but um, I think it starts at an organizational level. Um, the teams you mentioned have just really enjoyed a lot of consistency from year to year, and in our league, that's just huge, um, you know, from ownership to coaching staffs to, you know, retaining veteran players and uh, just kind of gaining experience. Year to year Um, And like I said all the teams you mentioned Those owners have been around forever A lot of the same coaches A lot of the same players So I I think that's part of what sets us apart And um, Then of course just playing each other Year after year You know it feels like we played DC three times Every single year And uh, you know Sometimes I wish like oh man It would be nice to see Uh, some fresh faces, but then I think, no, this is how it should be. You know, the the two of the best teams in the whole country able to face each other with such regularity, it just elevates uh, both teams. Um, You're not going to win every single matchup, but even in losses you take huge amounts of experience and toughness and, you know, battle readiness. You know, the only drawback is sometimes you go into the playoffs a little bit Beat up and a little bit thin at certain Positions but um, you know That's a trade off and I think it shows When when it comes to the championships Unfortunately You know uh, We fell short last year against Dallas And we did feel like we had that advantage And unfortunately we just got off to too slow Of a start and couldn't Overcome it but um, most of the Time going into that championship game The team who comes out of the east Definitely has the competitive edge At least in terms of what they've gone through in
2: the regular season, Allison, transition for you guys has been has been you know your uh, previous owner very devoted under the militia banner, and all of a sudden you got Molly taking over. And what an amazing job Molly has done to kind of put them put together a organization with literally from scratch in a way because funding is a big key to that. But uh, can you speak to that in terms of how that's transitioned over from the previous ownership now to this? you know, the 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 renegade uh, brand, and now you get a national championship under that belt versus the militia, which you had multiple championships.
3: Yeah, you know, that was one of the most gratifying parts uh, of this championship. Um, you know, at the end of every season since, you know, we've been the renegades, we, we try to express our gratitude to Molly, and it just always – Seems like not enough, and her answer is always, you know, you can thank me uh, by winning a championship. So to finally be able to give that gift to her for all that she's done for us, and you know, frankly, beyond just Boston, because as you know, these these you know our success is very intertwined. You know, if one team does well, and you know, it tends like I was talking earlier about the competitiveness of the East. Um, you know, we rise. the level of the people around us, and, um, you know, Molly was truly, like, stepped in and saved our organization, you know, I was in that meeting when the previous ownership um, decided to bow out, and, you know, he he took us on a great run, it was awesome, Um, and, uh, you know, I don't begrudge his decision to move on, but you know, it was definitely a moment of panic, like what now? And, uh, you know, Molly was at the top of the emergency call list in that moment. And she absolutely stepped up and put her own personal, um, aspirations for her post playing career, uh, which is, which was coaching. She, she put that aside because she knew she couldn't do both and that there was nobody else at the time to step in, uh, as an owner. And, uh, I, I, I just it's still even having won the championship with her as our owner it feels like not enough so uh it's just incredible what she's done and and there are very few people if any others who who could have and would have done what she did and continues to do so we're just so lucky and grateful and you know want to keep keep moving in the right direction for her and for all the other people who are so committed to this organization and the sport in general
2: Allison, are you bailing? Have you thought about bailing? Uh, Horton's gone. Hamlin's, H- Hamlin's gone. Grisofi's gone. Just things like everybody around you in terms of, you know, that you've competed against, everybody has either decided to move on. So uh, where where is Allison Cahill stand?
3: Yeah. Um, you're going to have to – kick me off the field, for sure. Um, You know, I've wanted to to do this since I was four years old, uh, literally, and, um, you know, here I am three-plus decades later and still doing it, and there's just not a compelling reason to stop. You know, I love it. I still feel like I have a lot to give to and get from the game. Uh, my body feels good. I have a great support system around me. Um, my teammates are awesome. And, you know, as you mentioned, we have a lot of new players who are just sort of starting their careers. And, you know, I want to be part of that with them and, and take them as far into their careers as possible. Um, you know, like I said, people like Molly are still around committing and giving so much To this organization And to the people Who are on the field playing Like I want to give back As much as I can And you know It's one of the best If not the best parts of my day Uh, Anytime there's football involved And um, you know How many people get to really Live their dreams Like why would I move on From that sooner Than I absolutely had to So I'm going to be around For a while And um, you know I'd love to see some New, younger quarterbacks come up through the ranks and, you know, get to see their development and play against them and, and just continue to represent the position as best I can for as long as I can.
2: Well, I can tell you right now you're mired because Congelde, uh is basically consider yourself enemy number one, but that's just a yeah. rivalry thing. So.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: So she's done really well there tra- transitioning from uh, Allie Hamlin uh into taking the divas sustaining the divas in a good state and and it's a core a core system like you're talking about it's it's really a system there you know uh where everybody's been there for a while and it it helps that you can transition into that without having to fall off um uh allison i'm gonna have my uh college football guru here uh, troy wilson pick your brain on here on the 2018 championship
4: here so troy welcome hey how's
3: it going allison Hey, Troy, how are you?
4: Doing well, doing well. Hey, you know, I wanted to to ask you,
3: you know, you have a
4: lot of the accolades, two-time MVP, three-time champion. When it comes to bringing in the new talent and getting some of the ladies to, to come to uh, the Boston Renegades, Tell me, is it it an easier sell for you to, you know, especially with the success in the organization that you guys had and also your personal success? And is that that an easy sell for you to to get these ladies to come and try out and play for the team? Uh,
3: You know, I'm not sure. I'm I'm not on the front lines of the recruiting process. Um, Our general manager, Ben Brown, is definitely the point person on that, and he's – he does an awesome job on outreach, and, you know, I think over the years, uh, just like any organization, any company, any presence in the community, kind of the longer you're around and the more opportunities you have to get your name out there, um, you know, the more the more ears you're going to reach, and, uh, you know, it's a numbers game, and... You know, we have some pretty strong flag football leagues in this area, and I know we've drawn a lot of players from there. Um, You know, I think we're lucky to have a lot of former college athletes with all the the colleges around here, you know, and they're looking for something to do after their college athletic career. But, you know, I'd like to think that um, the people who are showing up for tryouts, you know, didn't just see something in passing that they've they've been to a game and been impressed with the quality of the product and the professionalism, um, or you know, know a little bit more in depth about the history of our program here and, you know, they want to be a part of that. They want to be a part of the success that we built in addition to just, you know, liking football and wanting to play a team sport. So, um, you know, I think there's multiple layers to it, and it's something we're still trying to figure out because, as you guys know, there's a lot of turnover and a lot of reasons that people have to stop their playing careers, so we're always looking for for new bodies and new talent and uh new people who are willing to make the commitment which which is huge so um but yeah i'd I'd like to think that you know having four championships to our name is is a selling point definitely.
4: So being a former former basketball star, how did you get involved in playing uh, women's football?
3: You said star. You're really nice. Um, <laughs> I participated in basketball, yes. I uh, didn't have nearly the amount of success I've been lucky enough to enjoy in football. But, um, you know, I think... Being an undersized basketball player, I had to have a certain mentality to compete uh, with and against the people that I was surrounded by and, um, you know, just work ethic and and commitment. You know, I remember coming out of uh, playing college basketball, which, you know, we practiced six days a week, um, and thinking like, oh, two days a week practice—that's nothing, you know—and you know, not thinking that having a job and other adult responsibilities factored into the mix—it's uh, a little bit of a different ball game. But um, you know, I think I, I, I take—I'd I, like to think I take a certain competitiveness and and grittiness and underdog mentality from my experience as a basketball player into uh, you know what I bring to the football field.
4: And, you know, the WFA, and you see now there are also other leagues that are springing up around the country and also really around the globe. What is your take on what the future of women's football looks like now? Because it seems like,
3: I mean, we cover
4: this all the time, so it's turned into a global game. So what is your take on the future of women's football in your perspective?
3: Yeah, that's a tough question, and one that I think um, a lot of people are are trying to put their finger on. Um, you know, I, I don't measure success by quantity, really. I would, In this case, I would definitely say quality is more important for us. Um, you know, while I love to hear that the number of teams is growing and the number of people involved, you know, that's great, but... Um, there's so much turnover, and there doesn't seem to be, um, you know, a sustained presence in in most of the cities and markets. Uh, and you know, losing teams like Chicago and the California teams and the Texas teams, kind of taking different forms and having a lot of sort of change and turnover. You know, you know that's unfortunate. And I think consistency and consolidating talent is more important than sheer numbers. You know, uh, you know, more is not better. Better is better. And, you know, I'm not sure how we figure that out because, you know, I'm sure nobody wants to deny women the opportunity to play. And if you have, you know, 20 women in you know, a shared geographic area and they want to form a team, of course you want to foster that development, but, you know, it just sort of waters down the talent and the resources. And I'm not sure that um, just granting membership to anybody who can pay a league fee or, you know, come up with a logo and a team name is enough of a barrier to entry for sustained success on a league-wide level. Um, But, you know, that's a larger conversation, and I think there's some good and bad sides to the growth that you're referring to. But, um, you know, I'm not the person to answer that question. I just try to, you know, be as good of an individual football player as I can be, and hopefully that translates to my own team and that we turn into a team that represents the league and the sport on a, on a really high level and um and that's kind of all that we can control uh here as individuals and and one team,
4: yeah, I definitely agree with you there, I mean because you do see um you know a lot of times we're we're checking the scores and the standards and things like that, and you know it's kind of disheartening when I see you know, a two-to-nothing game, which meant, you know, somebody didn't show uh, up or forfeit. Yeah. And it's hurtful because all the preparation and there's a lot of money that goes into travel and things like that. So it is it is disheartening. So I wish there was, you know, some kind of way to avoid that, some kind of consolidation or, or something like that. Um You know, my, and my last question is, from a competitive standpoint, I know you're a competitor. What is the – I mean and, and so in, in saying that, I know you get up for every single team, but what is the team that you guys that, – that you consider the team that you really get up to play for? I mean, because you got your Pittsburgh, you have your D.C. What is the team that you really get up to play for?
3: Yeah, I mean, definitely those two. And uh, I miss playing Chicago, that's for sure. They were always a great matchup. Uh, we seem to see them. You know, once a year at least in the regular season and then inevitably in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, I wish I had a more original answer for you, but, you know, it's D.C., it's Pittsburgh, and it was Chicago. And, um, you know, I enjoy playing Philly. I think they have some really talented athletes, and they uh, have a certain swagger about them and toughness that that I like to go against. Um but, uh, you know, it's kind of the big two, I guess, at this point. I'd love an opportunity to face some of the Texas teams and the California teams more often, but it's tough to develop uh, a rivalry when you just have so much separation geographically and only playing them maybe once a year. But, uh, you know, the D.C.-Boston rivalry, I think, is is really a classic and represents the best that our sport has to offer. Um but yeah i mean i try to be the typical sort of even-keeled quarterback and approach each game the same and you know i've been exposed to the patriots way of thinking for so long it's hard not to pick up on their sort of one game at a time mentality but um you know i much much prefer to play those higher level teams than you know the 50 to nothing blowouts against you know, a tier two team or something like that, as you said, any true competitor would feel that way, I think.
4: Gotcha. And, hey, I really appreciate it. It was was great talking to you. I've always heard and seen, you know, um, nothing but great things about you. So it was great to finally get a chance to talk to you. And I appreciate you, uh, you know, having this conversation with us. Well, obviously going to keep following you and, and finding out what you guys are up to, and I just want to, you know, wish you guys and yourself, especially, good luck and good fortune and good health uh, for the upcoming season. So, thank you so much.
3: Well, thank you, guys. Appreciate all you guys do for women's football. We need we need as many voices uh, promoting the cause as possible. So it's a big deal. We appreciate it,
2: Allison. Um, what is what do you think of the next wave? That's coming, I mean, the the transition to coaching, you've seen probably a couple of players, you said Molly was going that route, you got, um, you know, Callie Bronson, you have Katie Sowers, um, Sketchler out of Great Britain, there's a lot of names, Jennifer King, we talked to last week, um, do you feel like that's where most of the players that are passionate about getting into football are heading for that, either high school or college or or even an opportunity at a pro internship?
3: Yeah, I think that that's incredibly exciting. Um, and, you know, I think it's it's a great way. I mean, like like any football player, right? Like, you know, guys who finish their career, some of them go into the broadcast booth. Uh, some of them, so many of them go into coaching, whether it's high school or Pop Warner, and, you know, working their way up through the ranks. So I'd love to see... Um, you know, players in our league who've who've acquired tons of knowledge and experience over their own playing career, and, and taking that to the next generation of players, whether it's male or female. Um, you know, I think we've seen that a lot of the most successful coaches in the NFL maybe had little to no playing experience. Like, I don't think Bill Belichick was any kind of football all-star, and uh, he's. He's risen to the ranks. So there's different ways to do it, and I'm, I'm happy to see that women from our league and other uh, female football players are getting the opportunity because, um, you know, knowledge is knowledge, and uh, that's, that's certainly not a gendered thing. So it's pretty exciting to see, and, and hopefully, you know, the attention they get for their coaching positions opens some eyes and ears to the fact that you know there are and have been women playing football in this country and other countries for a pretty long time now. So hopefully it just increases awareness all around and thereby increases opportunities as well. It's a win-win.
2: So let me bring McKenzie in here, Allison for a couple of minutes here. Let's have a McKenzie kind of see what McKenzie you're on with the Allison Cahill, legendary quarterback of the Boston Renegades, three-time
3: champion.
0: Hello, how are you today?
3: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: You know, I'm good. I'm a little under the weather, but I'm always down to talk some
3: football. (laughs) Nice.
0: (laughs) So my first question for you is just overall um, throughout your career as a player, um, what would you say would be the biggest, um, I guess, the biggest battle you've had to deal with, Like whether it be personal, whether it be team-wide, whether it be – You know, in your own personal, you know, just defeats. What what would you say would be the toughest thing that you've had to encounter and get through um, as a player?
3: Um, I guess it's always just, you know, finding the time to commit to the sport and the craft that that I would like to. Um, You know, as you guys well know. Uh, this is not our full-time job, any of us, and it's such a demanding sport um, physically and intellectually and emotionally that, you know, we're spread pretty thin. And, you know, to be truthful, like, you know, when I look at the pros and the lives they lead, you know, I don't envy their money and I don't envy their fame. You know, I I envy the time they have to dedicate to to their sport and their team and and just getting better at their craft. Um, you know, I'd love just one week of football only you know just sit in meetings and watch film and be a sponge you know with your coaches and your teammates and sometimes I'm like gosh man this is my I'm going into my 16th year and I feel like I know nothing and you know I could be so much better and know so much more if I just had you know the time to dedicate to it so um you know, that balance is tough. And I have a career that allows me a good amount of flexibility and and the freedom to, to commit to my training and my study and taking care of my body and making it to every practice and all that. Um, but not everybody has that luxury and, you know, it's a shame because just think of how much better we could all be. And, you know, that's the part that is always tough. Um, and you know, injuries of course are tough and the grind of that, but, uh, you know, it's just trying to find the balance in, you, in your regular life, and you know what amounts to a pretty significant part-time second job uh, that you love so much, and you just want to give so much to all the time. So, uh, you know, I think that's a struggle that a lot of us, a lot of us, try to figure a way to work that out.
0: Yeah, I definitely understand as far as uh, you know, not having our sport of women's football being our main source of income. So it's always rough to try to, um, you know, place aside that extra commitment as far as getting to practice, training, you know, eating right, stuff like that. So, and what I think is um, I don't think most people that, I don't think most people realize that, you know, women who play sports in general don't quite have the accolades. Well, not so much accolades. They don't quite have, like, the resources and stuff as their male counterparts parts do. So it's always been tougher for women in sports in general to get, you know, that overall respect and get that overall attention because, you know, we're out here doing the same exact thing as they are, you know, placing our body into a risk of injury and um, things of that such. So um, my next question is um, just more of a generalized uh, – uh, just kind of a generalized one um when did you first decide that you wanted to play um,
3: magic style
0: football? uh football? four well, years
3: old <laughs> oh um, yeah, yeah, i uh I won't bore you with the family story, but uh, it's one of my first memories in life, and at the time, I didn't realize that it really wasn't an option for women or girls, but um, you know, fell in love with the sport early on thanks to my dad and my brothers and uh, boys in the neighborhood and with the support of course of my mom and everything played as much as I could recreationally and at recess and the town flag league and then uh, my senior year of college um, my roommate was from Providence and at the time that's kind of where the um, Massachusetts Rhode Island based team was and she was like oh yeah it's called the New England Storm and You know, I think they're having tryouts soon, and that was April of my senior year of college, so went home for the weekend to try out and uh, finished up school and started practice that summer and have been playing ever since, so pretty lucky the way everything worked out.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of cool when you you, uh, you look around to other people that have played football they either don't have or didn't have the support of, you know, their fathers and brothers or they had for it and then you know they weren't quite sure as far as how far they were gonna go with it. So it's always I I, I always find it uh, pretty awesome, you know, if you can, you know, have those male um, those male influences in your life, you know, to kind of support support you in those, um, you know, I guess I guess for vendors better better term is more of a gender bending you know, kind of things. So, um, I appreciate your time coming on the show. Um, I was actually really doing that I couldn't be on the first part of the show when we first got on. So, um, I appreciate it. I'm going to go back over to Oscar. Uh, thank you so much.
3: Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Feel better.
0: Yeah, I'm slowly getting there. I didn't have a voice tonight. So, but um, I'm going to go back over to Oscar, and I'll of course to listening more.
2: All right, um, so Allison, I really appreciate you making the time and uh, say hi to uh, Molly and the crew out there, and especially Bonds for the MVP award. Um, and you guys got a lot of stuff that happened this year. Um, can you give us your impression before you go about the the weekend? I mean, at the in Atlanta, the weekend in Atlanta was kind of huge. You had a rematch in Division Three. You had Division Two historic rematch as well. Minnesota, New York, and then you guys, you know, East versus West was pretty pretty awesome weekend,
3: yeah, you know I'm such a creature of habit that um I sort of missed all of that stuff and just stuck to my regular uh away game routine um I'm just sort of a like I said, a creature of habit and committed to my own routine and system uh so I definitely heard people talking about it, particularly the the New York game and uh, bummed that I missed that But, uh, kind of had to stay focused And, um, to stick to my Preparation and, uh You know, I was only Really able to enjoy the festivities After, after our win Um, but, uh A, a group of us from the team stayed an extra Day and kind of got to milk that a little bit But, uh, you know, I thought it was a Great location and people seemed to have A good time, good turnout, players From around the league and everything And, um, it's the best you could ask for.
2: Well, I can tell you right now, uh, we go back and watch the uh, the, the game on ESPN three, and uh, an outstanding game you guys played. Uh, get the lead. Uh, Los I think Los Angeles didn't really anticipate a lot of the stuff that you guys do, and I think the battle testing was probably the difference there. They they're they're a talented team as well. You know, they had pretty good quarterback and Wiggins. They, had, you know, Gardner the running back. So the the D, I think, was lacking a little bit, but not because they weren't trying. I think it's because you guys really offensively kind of uh, posed a big, big challenge, and I think that was the difference.
3: Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, you know, as a credit to our coaching staff is, you know, because we've had such such a uh, hard competition over the years and the teams we've already talked about, you know, we've kind of had to elevate our game and, you know, raise the level of sophistication. And, you know, our coaches, they expect us to, to keep up with that and study and prepare. Uh, Cause you can't just go into those games, especially when you're playing DC three times a year and expect to just come out with the same looks and the same plays. Uh, you know, they're in the classroom studying and practicing and preparing for us as well so you have to have a, a pretty pretty deep bag of tricks um to to be able to utilize against such stiff competition and uh you know the thing with the championship is you know we had 2 weeks to prepare and that's an element of our game that we take a lot of pride in um and I think we have a lot of pretty highly intellectual players who can absorb a lot of information and translate that from the film in the classroom to, uh, the field of play. And I mean, our defense in particular was just, they played the, their best game of the season by far. And, you know, I felt uh, a little bit bad that, you know, the scoreboard didn't reflect their dominance to to the extent that it could have, you know, um, we had a fumble returned, Uh, for a touchdown, questionable call in my opinion. And then kind of the fluke onside kick return, which was a great play on their part. Um, But that's two scores there that, you know, our defense played no role in, um, but it bumped the score up to 18, and they could have easily, we could have come out of that game uh, if it were just up to our defense with, you know, maybe one score. I think they had that one long drive that they finally punched it in, um, at the end of one of their drives but uh you're right i mean they're they're not pushovers la and uh you know we just played one of our best games at exactly the right time and and as you said us having um you know dc and pittsburgh on our schedule three and two times each respectively and they had a bunch of forfeits and and games that weren't very close so you really can't Replicate that, and and then try to figure out a way to play your best game against the best team you faced all season in the biggest game of the season. So, like we keep talking about, I'm I'm glad we have that that grind of a regular season schedule because you know we're as ready as we're gonna be when it comes time for playoffs and hopefully get into a championship.
2: Well, Allison, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, an honor to talk to you. Uh, one of the legendary quarterbacks of the women's game in the United States. So uh, it's always been awesome to talk to you. And we've been talking a long while, but uh, what a great time to get back with the national championship, uh, your third national championship. And then the Renegades, really, uh, you know, an awesome season under the new banner. And you get a championship now right under that in, in year two. And so uh, congratulations to you, to your coaching staff, uh, you know, Amali out there. And all everybody that has contributed, you know, volunteers and everything else that made the Renegade success. And we look forward to 2019 as to uh, see if we get a repeat here.
3: Yeah, absolutely. We're already back, back at it. Uh, 2018 is old news at this point, so it's time to turn the page and and start the process all over again. But uh, thank you guys. This was fun. Great questions. Uh, great dialogue. I appreciate it a lot.
2: Uh, Allison, before we let you go, is it tryouts still going or are we planning tryouts for, I mean, every team I think in the WFA has tryouts right now. At least once a month they're doing tryouts. Is that no different in Boston?
3: Yep. We have one uh, October 20th, which is actually our second one. We had one uh, a few weeks ago. Great turnout, some some good-looking talent. So hopefully they show up for the second one and beyond. Um, but, yeah, the next one is October 20th, and the – Third and final is November 10th. And then we start official practices, I believe, January 8th. So that's all coming up quick and time to go for sure.
2: All right. So, Allison, like I said, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for making the time. Really appreciate it. Look forward to 2019 uh, to defend your championship in the WFA. And uh, it's going to be exciting, I think, in new summer. There's a lot of things happening in the women's game in the U.S., but uh, primarily you guys have been top dogs. So uh, congratulations once again. And then the the city of Boston, really, what what a great thing for them to uh, recognize you guys, not just the New England Patriots, but the city of Boston in general. That was awesome to see.
3: Yeah, that was cool. Unfortunately, I had to work, but uh, talked to a bunch of people who went, and, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. It's You know, that's all we want is to be recognized as as a winning sports team. You know, we don't care that we're women or that, you know, we don't get as much recognition. But, you know, it's nice. It's nice to get those little moments and have people just appreciate all the hard work you put in. So thank you to the city of Boston and and everybody who's supporting us and helping the cause uh, just like you guys are. So thank you.
2: All right, Allison. Thank you. Safe travels. Have a great week. Uh, we'll touch base probably in January or February, right, right before the season kicks off and see where you guys are at in, in terms of overall talent and what we're going to see for the spring and, and summer. So we're looking forward to an exciting, uh, new renegade season in 2019.
3: All right. Look forward to it. Thanks so much.
2: All right. Uh, Mackenzie, Troy, there you go. Uh, this uh, sort of a Drew Brees of the WFA in a way. She's got really good, good levels. She's almost in the same boat as Horton, very calm, collective, always uh, a really good leader in general. And as you can tell right there, she's nothing but business. And literally that's what happens when you're that successful. And uh, just to take two years in of the ch- name change, and now they get a national championship and, Like I said, congratulations to the organization, to Molly Goodwin out there, as well as to all the players that stepped up this year. And it showed uh, in the national championship, right, Troy?
4: Oh, yeah, for sure, man. And, you know, especially since, you know, the last few years it was dominated by D.C. and Dallas. And um, for Boston to come out on top, I mean, you got to, you know, really feel great about that because they've been in the playoffs, they've been that close. And, you know, kind of took a few L's here and there to finally get over the top. It's nothing better for an athlete to actually go through that adversity when you finally win one. I mean, not that she hasn't won one before, but it's just, you know, when you go through that drought like that, man, it's got to feel good. I mean, anytime you win a championship, man, it just makes it that much sweeter. But to go through what they went through, yeah, man, you know, you got to take your hat off to Boston. And I see them kind of, you know. Uh, of course, I think they'll be in the mix again this year. They still got to compete, you know, with those monsters down in DC, and then you got Pittsburgh also, you know, the usual suspects. We'll see, you know, Philly. They're starting to move on up, they're getting a competitive squad together. But I think it really comes down to who's going to come back, who's, you know, who's going to get better. All of those things add into it. But I think, of course, Boston will be in the mix for those for those title runs.
2: The energy she, you could, when she was sounding off the amount of energy she's got for the transition, I thought it was really, uh, really awesome because she wasn't like, you know, we fell off the, the veterans lab, you know, that kind of deal. It was more like, she was like, I'm ready to take this brand new, brand, uh, you know, batch of young talent that's coming in and, and let, let, let us elevate to another level again. And so that's like, that's, just uh, great to hear you know what I mean
4: that's that leadership man and you know what Alice she's super humble and you know that just seems to be her personality but man look she's a champion and you know to to be as strong as she is and and to lead by example and and you know showing that championship pedigree her teammates you know older teammates and new teammates they're gonna all look up to her so you know that's what leadership is all about. So you definitely, she's definitely going to have, uh, you know, her her imprint on this next season as she as she usually does. And I'm glad to hear that she's coming back too. You know, she's you know saying that look, I'm not ready to hang it up right now. I'm ready to come back, shopping. So can't wait to hear you know see what's going on with, with, with her and the Boston Renegades and and see how they compete this year. Can't wait to see that. I can tell you, Troy,
2: you've been with me a long time. I think you have spoken to every legendary quarterback in the U.S. game, and that's got that that just tickles, you know. Everybody for me, it's just an amazing thing that uh, I can say that that we've spoken to every legendary
4: quarterback in the U.S. game, and that's this is awesome. Yeah, yeah. man, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. I mean, so I, I just love getting the insight on, you know, how they think and you know, their kind of makeup and, 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 you know, playing the sport. You have to, you know, when it comes to playing football, no matter what level it is, it's a mentality that has to go along with it, and that's just athleticism. And she definitely has a mentality for it.
2: All right. Mackenzie, any thoughts on uh, Cahill? I mean, she's, like we said, she's a legend in the WFA. I mean, just in in general. I mean, from militia days and less in the past, but now – This past season, she didn't have the traditional weapons that she normally has, as she's spoken about, but you had other players step up. Bonds, the MVP, uh, Beinecke, Pasquale. I mean, she literally sort of like New England Patriots, Brady like, you know, you just put pieces together and every man, the next man up. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like you guys
0: had already stated. Um, she um, you know, she's a legend in the game, and just the way um, you know, she was speaking about kind of just not dwelling on the things that she didn't have and making the best of what she did have is I feel like what really set her apart this season, um, in terms of you know having a success, a successful run to um, the playoffs and winning the championship um, with the. I'm not going to say lack of experience, but, you know, when you've been playing as long as she has, um, you probably see talent coming, though, you know, with, with the duration of um, one's career. So I was really excited when they did win because I already knew what was going on as far as, like, you know, them not having players, um, players, you know, leading her, the you know, typical um, sporting organization, Um rules you know, if you you know if you will um, more or less just I was really really just all into tune with her just overall energy and how she was just able to you know explain how she was able to adapt. You know, so I I just personally I, I loved all of it.
2: Yeah, and then, and Troy, you know, the city of Boston recognizing them as you know anything else, just like you know Seattle has recognized the WNBA uh, and in general, but just the city recognizing their accomplishments, uh, it's really great. Not just the Patriots who have done it in the past, but the city itself now acknowledging that this is, you know, a legit sports team in their
4: town. Well, I mean, look, you know, there, there's a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of hatred toward a lot of Boston teams. But the one thing that you, uh, you know, uh, that is anonymous with the Boston sports teams is championships. You know, you look at the Celtics. You look at the Bees, the Bruins, Uh Red Sox. Right now, they're chopping it down with the, you know, the New York Yankees, and of course the Patriots. I mean, they're all synonymous with championships. I and mean, then you add the Renegades to that, also. I mean, so they, you know, when when that when you win in that city, you, know, you become Teflon, and and they're part of that. So they're they're part of a winning tradition in that city, man. You got to be tough, especially with your sports team. They take you serious there, man. So, you know, you got to be up on that level, and they are. You know, you got to take your hats off man.
2: All right, big battle for them. Uh, See if they can do a repeat in 2019. So we're not going to get ahead of ourselves until probably February and see where the power rankings come up when the Massey ratings come up again and we start to debate all that stuff once again. But congratulations to Allison. Cahill and the Renegades for winning the 2018 national championship. And so, uh, Troy, let's move to college football. And Mackenzie, let's move in here. Uh, ACC, Miami's comeback, Pitts overtime, Georgia Tech's run, runs wild. And in the Big 12, you got the Texas-Oklahoma Classic. Uh, and then you also had in the Big 10, uh, what, Oklahoma State goes wild. Wisconsin runs over Nebraska. Uh, And then in the Pac-12, you had Utah's huge win on the farm. And then uh, uh, Wazoo's well-right, which continues in the Pac-12. And then in the SEC, you had A&M versus UK, uh, UK Overtime Thriller, Florida survives LSU, and Auburn loses. So where do we start, Croy?
4: Uh, You know what? I really want to start with one of my favorite rivalries which is the Red River Shootout. I'm not going to be PC. I grew up on Red River Shootout. I don't want to hear the Red River rivalry, all that other stuff. Plus, it's pretty hard to say, man, Red River rivalry. That's one of those twisters, right? I like Red River Shootout. And when you get those two teams together, a lot of times, man, it does not matter what their record is. And this is more the same. I mean, listen, Oklahoma down 21 points. In the fourth quarter, and they come swarming back. This was one of the more classic games in that story rivalry, and I just you really had to enjoy that matchup Um, uh, earlier. You you, got to take the hat off to this kid. He wasn't even supposed to be the starter this year, and he has just elevated himself to a different level. Um, And and going against Kyler Murray, who has been you know uh, throughout the season has been the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman. And, by the way, in my opinion, he should not take a step down when it comes to the Heisman voting from his performance that he had in this game, and especially all year. It was a tough matchup. It's a rivalry game. If the voters out there knock this kid, out down on the Heisman standards, they are out of their minds. But what a game. Anytime you have that down in the Texas State Fair, and that's on my bucket list, man. I'm going to attend one of those games. It was just so exciting to watch the fans Watch those teams go at it. Former players showing up, you know, guys that made the NFL, used to be stars, and they showed during the game all of those old, you know, all of those old clips from those those games. Texas beat them uh, 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 two years ago. It was not that Texas was not supposed to win that game. Oklahoma was highly and they still came out on top. So that game to me was what college football is all about. One of my favorite rivalries, Texas. Made it happen at the end. They, they they did let Oklahoma come back, but when it came down to it, Erlinger he he drove us came down the field and they were able to get that field goal. Huge went for Texas, and the one thing that that made that victory so great was that Texas the Texas Longhorns, a blue blood program in college football, right now they are back. They are sky high right now. And the only really obstacle that they may have in their way, but of course it is college football. Any upsets can happen. But the only team that's really in their way to stop them from winning that entire conference is playing against West Virginia and Will Greer, who is also a Heisman candidate. But man, what a game for those guys! Congratulations to the Longhorns. The Sooners will be back. They're not. They didn't drop too far in the rankings, so they're still in it. But man, what a classic game that was!
2: Mackenzie, what was your matchup that you were sh- surprised on?
4: Um,
0: actually, it was it was the Red River Shootout. It was. Um, I actually had Oklahoma winning my two touchdowns, um, and I did not happen. I was very, very surprised. Um, but kind of to what Jordan has already stated, Kyler Murray, and I, I love to give – I'm a big believer in giving the Oklahoma to fan base – um, as, much, um, as, <laughs> but, um, as much crap as I can because I miss fun sometimes. But as much crap as I give them, you cannot just kind of anything about that game as far as Kyler Murray's concerned. He had a typical, you know, rush game just like any other quarterback can on any given like Saturday. And then the third quarter, third quarter I want to say it was like the third or fourth series, maybe third-up play, just snaps the ball and was... Great right battle I my thing when he was it. That's how I knew. I was like, okay, I have a strong feeling. Steelers are going to come back. And they, they did. If Kyler Murray would have had at least 15 more seconds, Oklahoma would have won. I don't care what anybody said. They would have won. Just because Kyler Murray is that good. I'm also agreeing with Torrey. I don't think Kyler Murray's Heisman, uh, Heisman drop should drop the the game, mainly because he came back and almost won
2: the game for the Seniors after having such, you know, um, an unpredictable first half. Troy, Troy how is Texas uh, getting the job done on defense? I mean, they've they've done a good job against UFC, TCU, Kansas State. Um, so defensively, they are, I mean, they're good.
4: You know the one thing Texas is starting to do is they're they're starting to get pressure and they're starting to to, to make teams turn the ball over. Um, Texas was known for DBU for a while and they're really starting to get that moniker back. I mean, listen, when it's the Texas, Texas Longhorns, they recruit superior athletes, and right now they have those guys going. And you know, Tom Herman, he he came in there uh, from the University of Houston. Um, his forte was a high-powered offense. But when you have a high-powered offense, that also allows you to recruit uh, heavily on the defensive side of the ball. And they're not done yet. I mean, they're in the top, you know, 10 in recruiting uh, this upcoming year. So it looks like they're they're getting back on the map similar to what Penn State has done in the last three years. They're getting them back on track in the Blue Blood program. So they're bringing in athletes, and they're getting they're, they're able to turn the ball over, and that was the biggest thing. That you know, when it comes down to it, Kyler Murray, one of the more careful uh, quarterbacks in college football, they managed to force some turnovers in that game, and and that was really the difference in, in, in one of that matchup.
2: McKenzie, we're we're not surprised that Notre Dame took care of Virginia Virginia Tech, right? Because it looks like they're um, they're officially on the uprights.
0: No, to be honest, we're not surprised. Um, At the beginning of the season, um, when Notre Dame played in Michigan, I feel like at that point, you could have probably, you know, you probably could have um, tried to differentiate whether they were actually, you know, making a comeback or not. But I think as the scene has weighed on and progressed so far, um, I think it's safe to say that Notre Dame is, you know, back still need to come back
2: on top of the college football world. And Dexter Williams really stands out. I mean, they had the passing game going with Ian Book as uh, Troy had alluded last week, uh, but now you have pretty much uh, Book almost flawless and completing about, I think, 70-something percent of his passes So with six touchdowns. So this uh, Irish team, I think, is we'd have to say for real now, Troy, right?
4: I would say so. I mean, um, you know, and I think that's really the big biggest difference. I mean, when they they decided to go with Ian Book instead of the coming started from last year, Notre Dame really moved themselves up to be a lot more competitive on the offensive side of the ball. They could run the football. They have a huge offensive line that can move people around, but the passing game is really what's taking them over the top and. Since Ian Book has been in there, they have been a threat like you know you couldn't imagine. But really, I think the one thing that – look, everyone wants to really talk about Ian Book. That defense that they have, they flat out get after people from the pass rush situation. There is not a team in, in the NCAA that can really block them all the time because they have so many pass rushers,
3: and it allows
4: their young secondary – to kind of grow up while they're doing that. Everybody loves a great pass rush. If you have a great pass rush on your defense, um, that allows your team to be able to make plays and force the quarterback to get the ball out early. And that's what it is with Notre Dame. And right now, they are clicking on all cylinders, and they are exceeding the expectations that they've had for this year. But you know what? I was – you can't say – I wasn't necessarily surprised that they won because, listen, when you go into Blacksburg, on a, on a night game. That atmosphere right now, that's a tough, tough place to play. And when they when they have it going, they have it going. But, look, they overcame Virginia Tech. They they kind of held on to the onslaught. You know, um Ian Book had a few turnovers forced by that team, and Virginia Tech will do that to you. But to, to go into Blacksburg on a Saturday night, you really got to move them up and give them so many props. Now, at the same time, you also had a Virginia Tech quarterback in Willis, who was not really used to playing. This was his first start. He really acquitted himself. Um, so they did muck up with that one, getting a younger quarterback that was in there. Uh, but still, when it comes down to it, they got the job done. Win in advance in college football. A win is a win, and a win is the most important part of the college football landscape.
2: Let's stay there, McKenzie. What did you say? Uh, Florida State, Miami. It was one point uh one point win by Miami, so that was I was watching that game, that was pretty intense.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Whew, well, I'm not gonna lie, I once like in in I into that game it was very I was on my seat most, most of the rest of the time I was uh, I mean, when you have to I don't know, see ugh. When you have two teams, or I guess not more than two teams that are in the same state, it's always rough to try to figure out who's, you know, who's the top dog in the state, or who is, you know, who the best team in the state, or in that area. Um, I mean, just to have four teams, five teams up there, um, so you know, it's always it's always a battle for a state where Um, So and I, I actually just I just enjoyed the the constant back and forth, like you know, one score, one score. Goal,
2: goal, goal, just back and forth, back and forth. It, was never, it wasn't really ever a dull moment watching that game. Troy, is Miami that better than FSU or is it just FSU just struggling at this point?
4: FSU is struggling. I mean, what they're right now, they're going through a culture change. Um, you know, they have a new head coach um, and they're still adjusting to how that's going to go. And sometimes it comes out quick. Uh, you know, where it gets together quick, when they can, you know, strain together some wins. But right now, FSU has been struggling, struggling last year. DeAndre Francois, back from an injury from last year, he looks like he's not up to, up to par right now. Uh, and and listen, Florida State can recruit athletes, but right now they are just not putting it together. They're not putting it together. And you, you, you kind of saw remnants of that. Um, as they couldn't close that game out. And they had a, a 27-7 to lead um, going into the second half and they blew that. And for them to lose that game, especially to their most hated, heated rival that you can think of, that has to sting. And, and listen, these are kids that you're dealing with. How is that going to affect the Florida State team? Um, they had a chance to beat a, a ranked Miami team, and, and move on and, you know, and, and try to build on those things. But, man, that is a huge setback, and it's just because of who they lost to. And you never want to lose in that kind of fashion. But they have athletes. I mean, you still got Cam Akers, he was the top recruiting in, in, in the nation, DeAndre Francois, another top recruit. Their problem is really on defense. They can recruit athletes, but for some reason they just have not put it together on the defensive side of the ball. And um, I kind of anticipate that they're going to struggle, but we'll see. I mean, I think their psyche is is, is damaged right now. They're completely damaged right now. So, um, I, I think I will get in Florida State probably a year, maybe another one, until maybe they can get back on track. But right now, they're on Struggle Street, man. It's tough.
2: Mackenzie, what do we say of Syracuse Pitt, pretty good overtime thriller, uh, so the the Pittsburgh pulls it off, forty four thirty seven in overtime.
0: Yeah, and actually I had Pittsburgh open that game by a field goal, so um, it was my friend They pretty much covered it. Um, I was rather surprised. I kind of felt like both sides of their offense, um, as far as to end Syracuse, was just to me something just wasn't clicking with either one of them right away. I'm not sure what it was, and maybe I just wasn't like looking at it in then – in a objective way, but for some reason I just thought both their offenses were just
2: weren't clicking, at least not within the first um, quarter or two. I don't th- I, I offensively I think that's their issue. Um from what I'm reading from all the uh you know, all the uh college football people, uh Pitt's offensive front isn't all that bad but it's not doing anything really uh to help that's running game so what do you uh, troy what's your thoughts there? Is it just the panthers oh, no. just lacking certain things
4: no well, the one thing the panthers are lacking is a is a viable quarterback i mean listen pickett is he's not he's he doesn't take care of the football he has a low completion percentage um but you can't run the ball every every down i mean they they have a a, run, a running back cadre uh uh olison he is a fantastic running back. He is a fan, and you will see this kid in the NFL. He's a big kid. He's 6'2", 225 pounds. He can really get after it, but he can't do it on his own. They're lucky that they have a decent offensive line. But listen, Coach Narduzzi, he's going to try to build off of this win. And Pitt and Notre Dame are, you know, sort of a rivalry. I mean, they do. this is something that, you know, these teams are very familiar with each other. And when it comes down to it, anything that happens, the problem is that this game is going to be in South Bend. And Notre Dame's front seven on defense, they're ready for Kajay Olsen. And they're, what what they're going to do is they're going to try to force Pickett to throw. That's not really his strong suit. Right now he has six touchdowns, five interceptions. So he's kind of playing. They're going to play right into Notre Dame's hands. but really Pitt is going to have to play mistake-free football. That's the only way they're going to have a chance to win this game. And if they can't do that and they can't limit the turnovers – and also find a way to slow down Ian Book in that passing game, they're going to have trouble the entire night. So um, I think Notre Dame is going to be a heavy favorite in this game. I don't see how Pitt is going to really compete with them at this point, but that was a great win for Pitt, and they can try to build on those types of things. But it's going to be a hard, hard going when they go into South Bend next week.
2: Mackenzie, that Big 12 clash, two big Big 12 games that are, came down to the end. You had uh, Iowa State at Oklahoma, and you had Kansas at Baylor. Pretty good pretty good matchups there. Uh, 48-42 was the uh, Iowa State pulling that victory over Oklahoma State. And then you had Baylor edging Kansas State by 37-34.
0: It, it seems to me that this weekend just seemed to be a lot of very, really, very close games. Either they were won in overtime or they were won, like, right by the skin you know, of the season regulation.
3: Um, and I'm not going to lie, I
0: was very kind of surprised that Oklahoma State lost to Iowa State of all teams. And that's not for touch credit. Iowa State, obviously, because I'm a Hawkeye and this is a Hawkeye here in Iowa. Um I was just we have only been I would say had been struggling most of the season. So I was very surprised to see that they're often they finally been able to string string a couple games together to get to get that win. Um, so I was very I was very pleased to see that I would say was able to do that to lock that, which you know, that's that, that that's just more more than what I'm looking for. And we said that Kansas
4: State game that Iowa State game was all about Brock Purdy. Their quarterback yeah. that kid right now, let me tell you something. He's a freshman quarterback, okay? But this kid is gonna be something. You know, he I mean he threw for four touchdowns, he had three hundred and eighteen yards, he also led the team in rushing with eighty four yards. They relied solely on that kid went win to get that victory, and that's what they should have done earlier in the season, but, you know, I, I get it. You want to try to distribute it, and then this also took some time to go ahead and test it, but this was one of your typical Big 12 matchups. You're going to get high scoring. You're not going to see a whole lot of defense in this conference. Um, you know, the best defense in this conference is, is, is likely Oklahoma, and they just got 48 hung on them, so, I mean, this is what the Big 12 is. I mean, if you want to see high scoring and you want to see guys running up and down the field, that's the conference you want to watch. And they really took the two Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State had a chance to build on, you know, on their successful season. Came into the game ranked, um, and they were four and one. But man, Iowa State just outlasted them. But you can expect that from the Cyclones pretty much every year. They're going to shock you a couple of games, and you can never take a playoff or never take a game off. When it comes to playing Iowa State, that's just what they do. They will surprise you and they will play tough. That's just what they do.
0: Also, as far as Iowa State, with the beginning of their season, um, it was all in the tournament right up until um, the, Iowa, the Iowa court game, uh, You know, in state championship, in state where Iowa has been it's almost at the beginning of time, as far as Iowa, Iowa football is concerned. Um, they had. They did have Deb Miller in there as cormac um, for I believe one or two games. this um, Kyle Kemp with her Kyle Kent fought her during the I during last August iHoot game, um, that week prior um, to Deb Millen's start. And I felt like Deb Millen didn't either didn't quite get enough, you know, um, first reps during practice because it almost felt like he was heating up right in the middle of getting into kind of getting that. You know, that practice week rushed off and then being able to change kind of targets. Um, one target he does is he, the cyclone himself, will do have his animal roommate. The animal is going to be a big league receiver. I mean, he, and obviously he'll probably be, he'll probably be on, um, a receiver running back, uh, you know, for a combo. Kind of like a stakeholder, or let them go to I'm really interested to see how the rest of the sequence goes just for that pure match of um, Montgomery and Zed Mullen, um, the new freshman quarterback. And even if Kyle Kemp is able to
2: get back in there as well. What games do we need to watch for this weekend that everybody should be glued down to with
4: some popcorn? Oh, man. You know what? My first game is going to be the night game. It's going to be. You know, where uh, college football game day is going to be, it's going to be in Ann Arbor, Michigan. You got a big, mm-hmm. big team, and it's going to be Michigan and Wisconsin. And you know what? The Badgers, they can run the football. That's what they do. They pound the football, but they're going against a Michigan team that's ranked number one in all the college football. And we'll see. I mean, what, what Michigan is going to do is they're going to try to force him to pass. Uh, Wisconsin is really big up front. They're really strong up front. But guess what? So is Michigan's front seven. They're as big and as fast as anyone in college football. That's going to be probably a low-scoring matchup. It's really going to come down to who's going to make the turnovers and who's really going to, you know, uh, keep their running game going because both of those teams, they're about as tough as nails. It's going to be a, a, a night game. It's just going to be a very exciting game to watch, so I'm definitely looking forward to that one. That's one of the games that I want to see.
2: Mackenzie, what's your uh, key matchup game that we got to watch?
4: Um, I, have to,
0: I have to try. It's going to be those top and badgers and the Michigan Wolverines, and then over Alex Winnie-Brook versus Shea Patterson. It's going to be... It's, I, I personally think it's going to be a shootout. I agree, Tori. I think it's going to be um, a little bit of a lower scoring game. I think it's mid, mid-high 20s, maybe, maybe even 30s. I'll even stretch it that far because um, Jonathan Taylor in that running game and the relationship had a shooting that know was going to be because the double ball deep. It's going to be, it's, I just think it's going to be an old-fashioned midwestern Western power game shootout
4: right up until the end. If there's, if there's game, go ahead. There's another game that, that you guys are definitely going to have to keep an eye on. and Luckily, it does not come on at nighttime. It's going to be the Georgia Bulldogs and the LSU Tigers. Man, listen, Baton Rouge is going to be crazy. They're going to be absolutely crazy. Georgia is lucky that this isn't a night game because you do not want to go in the Death Valley at an 8 o'clock game and because that town is just something else. You know, when it's when it's a late game. This is a 3:30 game, but you still have to go into Death Valley and beat that team. Georgia right now is, is running high. Uh, they're ranked number two in the nation. LSU, fresh off their loss against Florida, they are hot because they, they were really a, a pick six, or I, I guess yeah, it was a pick six from you know uh, winning winning that game against Florida last week in the swamp. LSU is a tough team. They're really bad. They're getting it going. Are they going to be able to get that running game going against that super fast Georgia front? And this is going to be a test for Georgia because listen, for some reason there's a lot of Georgia Bulldog fans that are down on Jake Brown, and and maybe it's because he isn't making the spectacular plays that you can see from the from that offense down in Tuscaloosa, and that's really the measuring stick in the SEC right now. But listen, you have to go into Death Valley. They better have their A game on. Georgia can run the football against anyone. Their, their defense can match up against anyone. But it's going to come down to who makes the mistakes and who makes who capitalizes off of those mistakes. Huge SEC matchup coming up. Definitely keep your eyes on that game. You do not want to miss that one. That's going to be a, a, an incredible matchup. Right now, Georgia's favored by seven and a half points. Forget that line. Because when it comes to Death Valley, Throw all of that stuff out of the window. You never know what happens in that, in that town, especially when the Tigers are, are, are upset and mad when they just took in a loss from the Florida Gators. Now, yeah, the top. I, the I top to Yeah, I agree too. Yeah, LSU, I feel
0: like LSU
2: is going to, since they, they
0: just came off that, they're coming off of that loss. So before, yeah, I feel like. Joe Bauer and the LSU Tigers are really going to be looking for vengeance. And then while you have um, Jake Fromm and the Georgia Bull, Bulldogs, who's not lost good yet. Now I'm actually taking Georgia by three. Good call. Good call.
2: Yeah. Um, what What do we say about Stanford losing to Utah? Was that Is that anything big for Pac-12?
4: Well, you know what, you have to take into consideration of not who played but who did not play. Bryce Love didn't play in that game. And oh, okay. when you take Bryce Love when you take Bryce Love out of that game, Heisman candidate, he's been really um, you know, held in check this year. And that's because they're you know, the Stanford team and I love the way they play. I love Stanford, I love watching these guys play. They're an old school football team, but when you take away the threat of, of Bryce Love you can cover those big receivers downfield because they are not athletic; they jump up and get the ball. But if you don't have the threat of of that, you know, superior running back back there, it was easy for Utah to key on the passing game and, and try to make, you know, their 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 quarterbacks win the game. And so I wasn't surprised that Utah is not a bad football team. And if you don't have Bryce Love in that game, I knew it was going to be tough studying for them. So I'm not surprised that Stanford lost that game.
2: All right. Um let's move on to the NFL you guys. Uh let's talk Drew Grace for starters. Um do so we he... have basically Yeah, we do. <laughs> 71,968 yards. And so uh what a moment. Um I know you don't want to talk about it Troy, but it's just the way it is. It's painful. But what a, what a what a a moment, you know what I mean? Just the 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 durability of them to pass Manning and I think Farb. And he's and the only other person still hunting him down would be Brady. So Troy, this is a huge moment for him.
4: Absolutely, man. And you know what, man? I, I the one thing I don't like about the NFL, I think, they choose to put certain players on the pedestal and I, I guess they you know, and, and rightfully so, when it comes down to championships, when you talk about who the GOAT is, people come back and they'll say they'll say Brady. They'll say Manning, Drew Brees does not get the, the the dude that he gets, especially that he's that small in stature. He listed as six foot two hundred pounds. He's definitely about five eleven, maybe five ten. And can you imagine the Miami Dolphins? They have to be kicking themselves in the ass for not signing this guy. He wanted to go to Miami, and New Orleans ended up getting him. And this guy has just turned into an absolute all-time great. And he's not done. He's thirty-eight years old. He feels great. He keeps himself in great shape. But man, this this guy, man, he just flat out gets it done. There's nothing you can do on defense that can confuse this guy. He just flat out gets it done year in, year out. He does it the right way. He's a great leader, and he is probably the hardest working quarterback that you'll see um, in the NFL. Man, I love the guy personally. I really want to congratulate him. I wish it didn't happen to happen. I wish it didn't happen to happen against my team. But hats off to Drew Brees, man. That guy is sensational. And in my opinion, I think he's either the number one or number two quarterback of all time, just by the way he plays that football game. Mackenzie, any thoughts on
2: Drew Brees? I was actually really excited when you broke the
0: passing record. I'm not gonna lie, I was really, I was really happy for him, um, especially doing what he's been doing as far as um, you know, the paying for themselves, kind of rebuilding himself to becoming a now re, re-relevant NFL team. Um, and then I saw the, uh, <laughs> the commercial
3: that Peyton Manning Kid
0: congratulating Ben. That, that was classic. That was classic. I enjoyed that a lot. And i'm glad I'm glad that you know Drew just worked hard to um you know to keep the durability that he has one the for that, and just now the highs you now the all time when you pass and right
2: the game is just just popped it all off. What was more shocking that uh Peyton is actually doing tomatoes and he's probably in the kitchen now versus throwing footballs or <laughs> oh <laughs> <God>. <laughs>
4: yeah. Man, I w- I wish I wish ESPN would have showed the entire interview that he did about Drew Brees. Man, if you guys haven't seen it, it was hilarious. I mean, he started off saying he said, "What do you think about Drew Brees breaking your record?" And he says, "Which record?" <laughs> it was funny. It was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, Manning, honest, kind comedy. I th- I find him completely hilarious, man. But you know what, man? It's good to see. He was like, you know, I, I had it for a thousand you know, days, and and now I don't even have anything to celebrate. And I might as well go ahead and congratulate you now for breaking the touchdown record, even though you haven't done it yet, because you're gonna beat that too. Great, great excerpt by by Peyton Manning, man. That dude, that dude is hilarious.
2: They uh, you can tell uh, Troy. He's a, a natural for commercials. Just, just as a oh, ha- yeah.
4: habit for commercials.
2: Just a natural.
4: What Just don't play. put
2: Eli next to him. It kind of ruins it.
4: Oh yeah, man. Oh <laughs> man. <laughs> oh um. man,
2: <laughs> oh, um,
4: but listen, man I, I, not to steal Drew Brees' thunder, thunder. But um, I, I got to do it, Oscar. I got to do it, man. I I, I have a rank. Let go me, baby, go. This, this, this is my thing, okay the Washington Redskins, you had plenty of chances to take over the NFC East. You had the prime chance to come out there. You went into this game off of a bye and you show up out there and you lay a complete egg on national television once again. I have defended Jay Gruden through and through. I've defended this Redskins organization through and through. Enough is enough. There's no such thing as true fandom. You know what? I will give true fandom to a a program that is a true organization, and this organization is an absolute joke to show up and do what they did last night. You come in toting yourself as the number one defense in the NFL. What a joke everyone on that defense should look themselves in the mirror and just and break the mirror. Because, let me tell you, they went out there and they completely stunk it up. And to Redskin fans who were clamoring this entire last, all last season, despite all the stuff Kirk Cousins did, without all the weapons that everyone else in the NFL has, sub all wide receivers, the ball down the field. And right now, what you have a quarterback with Alex Smith, and it's kinda of what I was saying all all along. Alex Smith is a nineteen ninety nine Corolla. He's a Toyota Corolla. He is not gonna be able to play that way. And everyone that was saying, Oh, with well, their two and one and all this other stuff, and we're you know, we're we're turning along, all you have to do is stop that red skin running run. And you cannot count on Alex Smith to lead as a quarterback to make the plays that you need to make. Teams like that, there's more teams in the NFL that can throw the football down the field and score than that want to go ahead and and, and be plotters like that. Y'all begged for Kirk Cousins to get out of here. And now Kirk Cousins is in Minnesota throwing more teams than anybody in the NFL right now uh, outside of uh, and Jared Goff. And this is the guy that you wanted to replace him with. You should be ashamed of yourself, all of it. And I hope I hope the Redskins possibly learn a lesson from this. You should have paid the guy when you had a chance to pay him. You should have you should have been more prepared than Jake Gruden, you have earned this. Every year he's been there, he's been either six to nine or nine and seven or eight and eight or seven to nine, and that's exactly what his record is. He is a middle of the road coach. And he has had enough time to get this stuff together. One week he comes out and they're prepared and they can play with anybody. The next week you lay it, You had two weeks plus a day on Monday night to get prepared for his game. And to go out there and show out like, like you did, you should be embarrassed to say that you're a racist. So, sorry, I, guys, I had to rant that one out. But that performance right there. Troy, like, is, Troy, is uh, Gruden out of
2: the school of Jeff Fisher? Absolutely. Is that why you're frustrated?
4: You know what? Yes. 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 <laughs> and and <laughs> I'm honestly, frustrated. That guy, he has a guaranteed contract and he is stealing money because he does not get that team prepared. That is absolutely on him to have a team prepared to go out there and It was just a joke absolute joke
2: alright so Troy you were cutting it out but we did get a joke absolute a joke as an exclamation mark
4: oh yeah that's what they are They right now the Redskins are a joke they have prime chances to take over the NFC East Pointed incessantly all night that was just embarrassment they should throw that film away if I were a coach I would never want to see that film again ever throw it away
2: Mackenzie, um, I don't know if you feel as strongly as Troy does about the Redskins, but he does.
0: No, but I do have a rant of my own since we're ranting. Um, <laughs> uh, and I know you know exactly where I'm going with this. Uh, the coaching of the Dallas Cowboys. Why? Are you
2: talking about Jason Garrett? You're talking about Jason
0: Garrett? Um, yeah, you mean the guy who uh, who punched on one. When you have a Hustle Elliott and Matt uh, Prescott and Colby Lee and uh, Terrence Williams, you know, and Michael Gallup who can all get one yard. If you can't get one yard, you should not play a football, period. I don't care who you are. That was probably the absolute worst coaching decision I've ever seen. And Jason Garrett had made plenty of them. That one right there pretty much did it for me. Like, I'm all on board for firing him, to be completely honest. I thought that he needed to be fired like 800 years ago. Um, he does not make very good in-game adjustments. He does not take risks. And even Jerry Jones stated yesterday and today, I'm pretty sure that the 4 one the four-to-one series, he should have taken that risk to get that first down. Like he literally should have taken a risk to get the series. That could have been, he could have. That was just. There's a million different scenarios that could have came out into a positive result, or he should have tested the kicker and made him kick the goal, which I fully believe he would have never made. I cannot stand Jason Garrett. I am, just, I'm, I'm not even chatting with him. I'm not even gonna lie. I'm completely, I'm completely, just uh, I, I'm, I'm literally, I'm over, I'm over it, I'm over it. Like I just. Uh, I, was just, uh, I mean, and I can't really complain about the Cowboys um, record right now because, I mean, we're 2-3, the Eagles are 2-3, the Giants are 1-4, and, and I don't really know what the Redskins record is so because I don't really pay attention to this, but I can't really complain because I figured we were going to start off slow. Um, actually, I mean, we were going to start off slow, especially with Zeke, not having to play most of the season and trying to get coming that locked out um, you know, adding new, adding new additions, adding that addition, losing Jason Winton, um, losing Ben, and now not I mean, not seeing who our number one, you know, our number one light out is, things of that type. So I just, at this point, I would be willing to sign any petitions to do it in Jason Gary. And Scott for that matter, to be completely honest, he needs to go to. So.
2: Yeah, i I think you guys are on the uh this this uh, Jeff Fisher thing. You guys are really bad. I mean you guys are your attitudes are so negative right now. It's just, just not right.
0: I remember the
2: I remember the speech that Yeah, no, I remember the speech that Jeff Fisher gave me, uh well what, uh two years ago almost, when he said, Hey, that team over there is pretty good when he came up to the podium. When he got his ass whooped by the Niners. I was like, that was my last straw for him it was like how do you say the team over there is really good? Just stupid.
0: Well, I my my
1: overall hope for the
0: Cowboys is that we just call eight eight the season I don't even I don't even think we're going to smell the playoffs. I don't think we deserve to be in the playoffs if Jason Garrett keeps coaching the way he does. Oh yeah. There's, no. I can't do it. There's just yeah. But
2: I just I just can't get them this fast. Like why would you not go for it on fourth and one with it was like twenty one
0: seconds
2: hey, Ma- or something. Mackenzie uh, Mackenzie McVeigh went on went for it on fourth and one, just to let you know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Thank you. <laughs> uh, hey, Troy, my Rams get a scare. And my Rams look pretty bleak, and then they they lose some folks. But in the end, uh, they pull a win that they had to pull a win out of. So, I guess uh, I am happy and thrilled to be 5-0. and
4: And listen, I'm so jealous. So jealous <laughs> that you got Sean McVay. And I told you, when y'all got that guy, I said he's a genius. He is a genius. He, he has come Where did from, from he a come better degree. Where did McVay come from? Uh, <laughs> He was a he was a great offensive coordinator here. I mean Kirk Cousins, he'll tell you, he was like, Man, I solely give this guy responsible for my career because he is super smart. Anytime this guy you can name a point in time in a game that was three years ago, he remembers the exact play call. You don't let a genius like that leave your building. So man, I, I'm I'm actually happy for Sean. I'm happy for the Rams. They got a guy who really knows coaching, and you got a certifiable genius that is out there. This guy can scheme better than any coach in the NFL right now. That's including Bill Belichick. You heard that from me, and if anybody has anything, you can reach back to this one. Two and three years from now, it's not going to change. This guy is phenomenal. He is a phenomenal coach. And I, I'm I'm so happy that he is getting the proper duty he because he deserves it. When we watched him here, the a lot of the talk on the radio from Chris Cooley, former Redskin player, who was also a football savant, he was actually saying, You know what? I think the Redskins may be keeping the wrong guy. I like Jay Gruden. This is what Chris Cooley was saying. I like Jay Gruden. But let me tell you, Sean McVay is on a different level when it comes to coaching, when it comes to scheming, when it comes to understanding the football nuances. He is a genius. He is an absolute genius. So I'm happy to see this guy doing what he does. I'm rooting for Sean McVay. I'm not a Rams fan, but I'm rooting for Sean McVay. So, you know, I just like to see this guy do well. I'm actually really looking forward to, to when the Rams and the Chiefs play down in Mexico City. Can you believe that game? Who is not going to tune into that game if you're a football fan? So I'm excited for the Rams. I'm excited for what you guys are building out there. You guys have this win-now mentality. Let's just see if you guys can keep the defensive backs and your defense healthy because, uh, you know, Talib is out. Um, uh, y you, you, you know, she got, you guys got a little bit of things here and there, man. But I'm really excited to watch those fans play. They are must-see TV right now. You know, and this is like showtime uh, back again. What was it, the greatest show on turf back in the day? I don't know what you want to call it now, man, but you got to give these guys a moniker. Somebody has to come up with a moniker for that team because they are chopping right now. I love watching them play.
2: I think they needed this game to really be tested, and I think that's that was a key for them. Mackenzie, um, what do we say of Kansas City? Are they for real? When they go up against the Rams here, Rams, Kansas City, this is the two high-profile quarterbacks, Mahomes, uh, Goff. Um, I mean, this is matchups included. You got, uh, I don't know if a couple will be back, but you got Kelsey and Hill on the other side. Big test for the Rams uh, in this game as well, and big test for the Chiefs as well. Um, you're not going to
0: like me for this, time. Uh, the Chiefs are for real. That's definitely a thing. And I'm also thinking they're gonna be, your round
2: around five points. I'm okay with that. I just we'll have to play the game. Once I get the result, maybe I'll cry, but <laughs> No, um, i don't <laughs> honestly it's
0: good. it's gonna be a shout, just, just like any other big high profile game, especially because Paco Home has been so hot for an outside main straight. And it, it almost to me, almost seems like he doesn't get touched. He, I don't think he's had a significant sack or touch for a loss against him in, well, whatever, as far as an NFL's career is concerned. Um, Jared Goff, on the other hand, um, I think it's going to be interesting because he, you know, Jared Goff has been in the league for years. He's, and um, the Rams have slowly um, built their name up to what they are now, where you have, you know, Kind of like the hot freshman seed off of the school, or the hot freshman seed off of, um, you know, the league going off against a little bit of a season veteran. Um, so it's going to be a good matchup. There's going to be a lot of passes for a lot of people out of midfield balls. There's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of like 4 1 during a um, series up So it's going to be interesting to watch um, who, who really comes out on top. And honestly, in this game, I didn't go all the time. Yeah, I think it can go into overtime. Um, if it doesn't, if uh, the Chiefs don't pull out on top uh, on that
2: 14 point that I have, it may go into overtime. Troy, what's going to be a matchup we got to watch for this week? What's uh, the key, ma- one of the key games? Obviously, not the Redskin game, okay? Because you've already alluded to how that's going. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: All right. Um... Let's go. Let me pull up my schedule real quick. Sorry about that. Um, let's go here. All right. So, week six matchups. I'm looking forward to Jacksonville-Dallas. And the reason why I want to see that is because Dallas right now, they're they're struggling on offense. They're trying to figure out how they're going to move the ball. Um, but they do have Ezekiel Elliott. I wanna see how they're gonna move Z. How they're gonna use it, and and also are they gonna be able to move Dak out of the pocket against the Jacksonville defense. Jacksonville defense is about as fast as it gets They are scary, but listen, a lot of weaknesses were showed against their Kansas City uh offense. Now Mahomes is a once in a lifetime talent. Tariq Hill, once in a lifetime talent. But in Tariq Hill, you know they, they do have a little bit of that in Dallas with Tavon Austin. If some team can please figure out how to use this kid, I think and I think that would be, uh, I think that would bode well for them, you know. And I also want to see this Kansas City Rams game. This is Mahomes against Tom Brady, the new goat from what everybody wants to say against the actual goat. Man, is that going to be a matchup or what? I mean, I just want to see – and this is going to be in Foxborough. It's going to be nationally televised, 8 o'clock game. This is the stage that Mahomes needs to be on. This is his coming out party. This is going to be big on him because they're going to put this on him. How is Belichick going to scheme for this kid? Because the one thing that people, you know, of course, in the beginning of the season – New England looks like they're struggling on defense. New England has now become a top-ten defense. And so they've got it figured out. Are they going to be able to cover on their back end? Because that's the struggle that they're having at at the the defensive back positions. And they're not able to generate a pass rush also. So how is Belichick going to scheme for this kid? I can't wait to see the chess matchup between him and Andy Reid. I'm definitely tuning in for that one. This is going to be a great matchup. So those are the two matchups that I definitely want to see.
2: Mackenzie, what's your two top matchups that we got to watch besides your Cowboys?
1: <laughs> um, I
0: mean, so I guess it's only just one. Then doesn't have to be your Rams versus the Kansas City Chiefs. I I can't really pick another game. I than mean, those like, Cowboys and the Rams game, I I mean – they're taking on Broncos this,
2: they're taking on the Broncos this week. It's gonna be a tough battle for them at mile uh, mile high uh, I think that's o oh, c yeah. um so uh, you know what mackenzie what do you say of why don't we talk about this what what do we talk about the um the big matchup that you're gonna have going on it's this week it's eagles giants um it's like are, they, are the Eagles playing down, or the Giants up and coming? I mean, it looks like these two, this is going to be a pretty good game on Thursday, I think, in terms of NFC East matchup.
0: Um, so you're comes my complete honesty again. As much as I don't want to admit it, now that the Giants have gotten rid of Eric Flowers, <laughs> now that they've gotten rid of Eric Flowers, I feel like, the Giants are going to be able to do more with their offense because Eric Flowers alone, uh, everybody, everybody that watches football knows that, one has heard that Eric Flowers is not a really good offensive well He's not. They had him on uh, on Eli's blind side last year, didn't work. Had him on uh, his strength side this year, didn't work. So they had, to, they had to essentially get rid of it, and now that they've waived uh, him off the chain at least all of them at the active roster. I feel like now, whoever they put in their place, they're going to be able to mold it to what they need as far as protection for Eli is to open up those holes for Saquon and everybody back, um, to get their job done. So I don't, I'm i also expecting Saquon to have a huge potential game sometime soon. I'm kind of hoping it's Thursday because I feel like the Giants team morale overall is that um, mainly for Eli's confidence really for his own confidence being one of the star rookies in. The
4: now and be a starter at
1: that.
0: Oh, so uh, I get it. Oscar. In it?
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah, I, I got Go one ahead, more for you, man. And I sure. can't believe I this off my list. I cannot believe I did this. You have Pittsburgh going into Cincinnati. Man, listen, Montez Berfic is back. Those two teams don't like each other. Pittsburgh is coming off that big week against Atlanta. They're looking to try to build off of that. Cincinnati has been rolling this season, and they're surprising a lot of people. This is really going to be a big tilt for, these, for both of these teams because this is a division matchup. They hate each other's guts. This is one of those matchups where you like to see vitriol, you like to see fights, you like to see a lot of trash talking. Tune in to both of those teams talking during the week. I'm, you know, I'm gonna just subscribe to a lot of their Twitter accounts this because they don't like each other at all. Like, real legit, don't like each other. So, I cannot wait to see that game, man. It's gonna be a lot of fighting during that game. Somebody's gonna get knocked out. Somebody's gonna get fined, maybe even suspended. This is one of the games where you have to see it. It's a must see TV uh, uh, event. So, I'll be tuning in definitely to watch that game. Also,
2: awesome. Um, So that's the matchups that we're going to be watching for this week. Um, Keep up to it. We're going to be on Twitter at Great Iron Beauty, uh, Troy Wilson underscore one. And then, uh, Mackenzie, what's your Twitter handle? What is my
0: Twitter handle? I think
2: it's MackieT75. There you go. So we're going to be on Twitter pretty much Sunday, uh, Monday, Thursday, and Monday as well. So you got uh, Thursday, you got Giants, Eagles, the matchups that Troy went out to, Cowboys. Jaguars late games there Patriots Chiefs and then we have that great classic Packers Niners on Monday which should be great right there Um, the uh, overseas before we get out of here wrap up um, just a reminder you go to Zazzle.com you can get the uh, breast cancer shirts that are up now and you can order them now and and, uh, support our cause for the project you go to Zazzle.com save up to 15% off in Austria this past weekend the Telf Patriots uh, got beaten by the Budapest, uh, Budapest squad out there, the Wolves, six to zero, and then the uh, Salisbury Ducks, uh, uh, thirty-two to six. They uh, take care of the Swartz Hammers, so that's going to be a pretty much tight race now going forward. And then uh, there's a bye week coming up next week. Week six is uh, October twentieth. Dacia Vikings taking on Budapest Wolves it is a classic right there. It's kind of like Pittsburgh versus Cincinnati as I was saying. Top dog squads here in Austria. And then uh, congratulations to the Dacia uh, Vikings for being nominated in their country for uh, a sports gala event. So congratulations to them for uh, making it out there and showcasing women's American football. And then we have uh, Brazil. In Brazil, uh, the pl- uh, playoffs officially are now November 10th. We'll keep you updated as the uh, matchups come through. But uh, as it stands right now, Sinoppa uh, Sanope uh, Coyotes and uh, we'll take on the Real Janeiro Riders and then uh, I'm sorry, Riders versus Seahawks and Silverhawks and then Sinope C- I believe is taking on, uh, let me see my list here, uh, the Spartans of Sao Paulo. So we'll go ahead and uh, uh, keep you updated on our, on our site. And then the inaugural uh, Costa Rica Women's American Football kickoff this past week and it was the uh, Goddesses. Uh, take uh, the goddesses uh, versus uh, let me get my notes here if I'm correct here we go goddesses they were taken on and I lost my notes so you can go to facebook.com and we get the results there it's, I think 28 to 12 was the result um, Oh, I'm sorry bulldog Bulldog flames there we are my notes are here bulldog flames 28 to 12 take on goddesses out of Costa Rica so we have Costa Rica American football now launched this week and it's going to go through December so it's pretty awesome. You can get, go to the hub at Facebook.com forward slash Get everything up to date weekly. Go to the Twitter feed at Great Arm Beauty and stay up to date on everything in women's American football. So, um, Troy, what a, uh, what a uh, interview today with Allison Cale, legendary quarterback of the WFA and three-time champion of, in Boston with the Boston Renegades this past uh, season in 2018.
4: Yeah, man. Talking to Allison, man, you can tell, you know, she's laid back, but she has that dog in her, man. So she's got that championship pedigree. Loved speaking with her. It was an honor to do so. Hopefully she'll come back on very soon, especially right around when the season starts or during the season. Looking forward to speaking with her again. We'll definitely be following the Boston Renegades uh, all season long to see how they fare against all of their opponents.
2: And congratulations to the uh, Finnish team, the National Women's Finnish team, who was playing at uh, in the tournament, which is the Viking Line uh, Bowl Three, defeated the Swedish team 21-20. to 20. Congratulations there. Go to our Instagram gallery right now and check out the uh, Rovani uh, North women uh, on our Instagram gallery, gallery, so check it out. But congratulations to Team Finland defeating Team Sweden. You can get the actual game highlight and the full game at facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauties. So, McKenzie, Troy, great show today. Look forward to NFL weekend. We'll be tweeting about that out there and keeping tabs on it. And uh, we're going for win number six, and 6-0 for the Rams. Uh, Troy's going to try to get his uh, Redskins to rebound here this coming week against the Panthers. And then, uh, obviously, McKenzie's Cowboys. Uh, where are you at, McKenzie? You, oh, Jaguars. That's where it's at. So we're looking forward to the yeah, three yeah, matchups. Figure out.
0: Tough yeah. match. I, I, to be honest, I'm, I, I'm nervous about that game. I'm not even going to figure it out. But we
2: can't say go Blake Bortles, but go Jason Garrett. <laughs> That's what we can say.
0: No. Yeah. Go home, <laughs> Jason Garrett.
4: I hope they sign <laughs> Jason Garrett to a 20 year coach. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hope they don't.
4: Um, uh,
2: don't get her started now, cause she's, she's gonna be on she's gonna be on video uh, the whole three hours. I <laughs> will. I'm serious. All right. <laughs> Brooks and uh, Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez, and we'll catch you here next week for the absent, uh Louise Bean, Tracy Brick, and Holly Custis. Catch you here next week for the Grand Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio Ultimate uh, Tune In <laughs> Tune In App and. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Have a great night, everybody.